0: following is a recording of a sermon given at All Saints Lutheran Church in Ottawa, Canada. For additional messages and more information, visit allsaintslutheran.ca. Hello everyone, this is Pastor Alan Gilman from All Saints Lutheran Church with the message for January the 24th, 2021. I don't know about you, but I think a lot of people are actually wondering, where is God in? in the current situation we're in right now with COVID and the various restrictions that uh, that, w- that we're facing? Where is God? Well, the right answer is God is on his throne. God is in control. Uh, but there's a way of relating to that truth that may not be very helpful in, in that we could become quite passive. Uh, just God knows what he's doing and, and adopt this sort of que sera sera kind of attitude whatever will be will be god knows what he's doing and we just kind of have to endure when actually we were put on this earth to, to interact with life here and we've been chosen by god to serve him and serve others to make a difference on planet earth And so there's there's an attitude that I believe a lot of people have been adopting during these COVID days, which is a a sense that we just need to hunker down and wait for the storm to pass. But what we really need to be asking is, what is God saying to us? And what I would like to share with you in this message will help us at least get to that question. And so what we're going to do is we're going to be Looking at the first two verses of Isaiah chapter 66, chapter 66 is the last chapter in the great book of the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah says so much about how God wants to break through into our lives and restore the world, and and to bring His peace, His restoration, uh, to rid the world of sickness and death. We read about the coming of the Messiah in the book of Isaiah, and there's some things here at the end of the book that I think we can really learn from if we listen very carefully. So what I'm going to do for a little bit of context, which you know I like to do. We're going to read Isaiah sixty six verses one through five, and then we're going to focus on the first two verses, and after I read, I'm going to pray as I always do. Isaiah chapter sixty six, verses one through five. Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me? And what is the place of my rest? All these things my hand has made And so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. He who slaughters an ox is like one who kills a man. He who sacrifices a lamb like one who breaks a dog's neck. He who presents a grain offering like one who offers pig's blood. He who makes a memorial offering of frankincense like the one who blesses an idol. These have chosen their own ways, and their soul delights in their abominations. I also will choose harsh treatment for them and bring their fears upon them, because when I called, no one answered. When I spoke, they did not listen, but they did what was evil in my eyes and chose that in which I did not delight. Hear the word of the Lord, you who tremble at his word. Your brothers who hate you and cast you out for my name's sake have said, Let the Lord be glorified that we may see your joy, but it is they who shall be put to shame. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you again for your word and that it truly is a light to our path and a lamp to our feet, that you have provided your word to show us the way to live in these days. Father, we need your wisdom. Please speak to us. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's begin in verse 1. Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. So heaven is God's throne mentioned in my introduction. God is on his throne. God says through Isaiah, Heaven is my throne. We're By us being told this, we're reminded that God's rule is is outside of the material realm. God is not affected by the, the the world in which we live. And this doesn't mean therefore that he's completely disconnected from human experience. What it tells us is that our Heavenly Father, who who wants to engage us, wants to speak to us, he is unaffected by the things that oppress us. And so he's able to not only communicate to us and help us in our need, but he has all the resources of heaven at his disposal that he wants to impart to us. God's reign is unrestricted. I mentioned before, God is in control. Not only is he in control, but that control that he has over everything is without restriction we might be restricted but god is not restricted so then we might want to ask the question if if god is so unaffected by the things of of the things that we go through and that he has all the resources at his disposal and nothing can get in his way he's completely unrestricted then why doesn't he just fix everything we say he's all powerful. We say he's all good. We say he's all loving. Why do we have to go through hard times? And some of you have lived through way more difficult times than what we're going through now with this COVID crisis. So why doesn't he, why, why didn't he fix it then? Why isn't he fixing it now? Well, the God who is on his throne, the God who is in control has a plan and his plan includes our involvement it's not as if god didn't create a world in which everything is supposed to work as if it was machines that he programs and they just act out what he what he programmed them them to do we are not robots we are not machines we were made in god's image we were put on this planet to serve god by um taking care of the planet and doing his will here And so the real question that we need to ask isn't, why doesn't God just fix everything? It's, are we going to be part of his plan or not? Because actually the reason for all the trouble is human rebellion against the plans of God. That's what got the human family in trouble in the first place, all the way back to the Garden of Eden, and it's been getting us into trouble ever since. God has great and marvelous things for us to do. Are we paying attention, and are we doing His will? So heaven is God's throne, and the earth is His footstool. We have an image here of God filling up the entire universe. And this it, it sort of shrinks how we view the earth, and shrinks even more how we might view our itty-bitty selves. God is enormous. He's, he's not enormous in this physical sense. He's enormous in the sense that he is the greatest of all entities in all of the universe to the point that he's able to fill the entire universe with his presence and that He's places his feet on the earth like a footstool. Uh, on one hand, the earth is like a nothing to God. And, and and yet he gives it his attention, and that should fill us with awe. Continuing in verse 1, he's already said, Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me, and what is the place of my rest? This idea of God's place of rest is referring to his abode. And so it's, it's parallel to his, what is the house you'll build for me? And what is the place of my rest? Where, where can you build for me a, a place that is truly my home? God is asking. It's a rhetorical question. God condescends to, um, condescended to call the people of Israel to build a temple in which he would dwell. But he doesn't actually dwell in the temple. He dwells in there as a a token of his relationship, his desired relationship to the people of Israel. And he wants to dwell with human beings. One of the reasons for the temple was to to foreshadow his desire to live among all of his people, all people who trust in him. But God in his, his fullness is godly. He cannot be contained. And yet that doesn't stop us from trying to create structures and forms in which we place God. We, Of course, we don't think that we're putting God into our boxes, but often that's exactly what we do. We create expectations for God. We create um, forms and procedures in which we actually insist that He is supposed to work in and through those things. We often th- believe that that our forms and structures have been ordained by God, and maybe Sometimes they have been, just like the temple of old was. God ordained that temple be built, but the people were not relating to the temple in the way that it was to be related to, as as part of the way that they were to understand the great, enormous God who was in control of everything— Instead, they thought that they could control God, that they had Him in, his, in their temple, and that, and that they could do with Him whatever they wanted. And the, and the way that's often expressed is in how the the leaders of these systems dictate the ways of God to other people. We need to let God out. We need to let God, not that, not that. God is controlled by us, but often we stand in the way of other people's experience of God by the way that we seek to control him. I talked extensively in my in the latter part of my series in Mark last year about how the temple had become corrupted. This, in Isaiah, this is the first temple that was going to be destroyed by the Babylonians. In Jesus' day, it was the second temple, the rebuilt temple that was going to be destroyed by the Romans. But there were similarities. The people had become corrupt. The leadership had become corrupt. And what they did is, by the temple being there, they thought that meant that God approved of their actions. And so often we do that. We take a look at our structures, uh, the way we do things, and we think that somehow the uh, that they prove god's approval of us when they don't god often allows us to get away with our misguided ways because he's patient and he calls out to us and he looks and he and he waits for us to turn to him he doesn't come and try to twist our arms eventually enough is enough and judgment comes and judgment is coming the times we're in right now, uh, these are just the beli- uh, the the beginning, and maybe the COVID thing's going to blow over. But if it's not, the consequences of of the restrictions that are hurting the economy and relationships and 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 our, and people's mental health, if it's not that, it'll be something else. At some point, God's going to say enough is enough, and we ca- we shouldn't be looking at. Uh, the tokens that God has blessed us with and think that, you know, everything's okay because we've always been doing what we've been doing. We're going to continue to do what we've always done and that's being faithful to God. That's never been true. It's not true now. You know, when we constrain God to our, our structures, our perceived ways, the way things have to be done and that this is the, and we put limits on how God is supposed to work and how other people are to relate to him. We make God small. Now, we can't make God small, right? But we can make him small in our eyes. And we can make him small in the eyes of others. We've got to be really careful. We need to let God out. Says the beginning of verse 2, all these things my hands has. Sorry, all these things my hand has made, and so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. Why would it be necessary to remind people who already are familiar with God that He's the Creator of everything? Well, it's because we forget. We don't. We may not intellectually for, forget, as if we would, you know, if we had a test given to us and uh, who is the Creator, and we put a wrong answer in. We all know it's God. God created everything. We know that. But do we behave as if God has created everything? Do we do we behave as if th- we live in the world in which he made and then made us human beings responsible to take care of what he's made? We're supposed to be stewards of this planet, caretakers, managers uh, set in place by God to further his purposes on earth. And I wonder, I wonder if we were remembering to do that. So God is big. The earth is small. We are tiny in comparison. But look what it says in the second part of verse 2 But this is the one to whom I will look. So God says clearly through Isaiah, I'm big. I'm enormous. You cannot even comprehend my magnitude. But this is the one to whom I will look. God looks to people. This is a way of saying that there's certain people that God regards, that God gives his attention to, that God listens to, that God speaks to. He doesn't need to do any of this. He's done this by choice. And he's telling us here in this passage who, are, who these people are that he gives his attention to. Who are they? He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. First of all, those who are humble. The Hebrew for humble refers to those who are poor and afflicted. It's those who are not the rich and powerful. And in this context, it's people who are aware of their neediness. You could be rich, but understand, like rich in the world's goods, but understand that you're needy, that without God and His presence in your life, you're nothing. Without His help, you're in big trouble. You don't define yourself by what you have. You realize that all that you have is a gift given to you by the Almighty. And those who are humble are so grateful for whatever it is that they have but they know that they're needy and especially in troubled times like this what the proud do is they think they can just fix it and if only people would listen to them and if only you would do xyz everything's going to be okay and there's something about the hunkering down philosophy that is there's a there's a sense it, it sound it could sound like we're trusting in god to come through for us eventually but there's so much trust in the, in, the, um, in the inventions and plans and procedures of human beings that they're going to fix it for us. And we're waiting for them to fix it for us. If, we're, if we all just behave, then eventually it's going to be okay. Well, that's never been true in the history of the world. Why would it be true now? The real need, the, the real problem is that we're not hearing God the real problem is is that we're not following him according to his word and how he wants to speak to us in general through his through the scriptures and personally to us and we're not hearing him because we th- we actually think we're doing okay when we're not the humble he who is humble and contrite in spirit it relates to to this word for humble and it the word actually means crippled crippled in spirit we could say broken in spirit it's the person again not the, the kind of person that not insisting on their own way doesn't think they're right because they think they're right because they think they're right and everybody else is wrong and if only everybody would listen to them everything would be okay it's the person that realizes they're they're made of dust they're in touch with that they realize of their failings they know their propensity to sin and then they're willing to go to God for forgiveness because they realize how broken they really are these are the people that are in touch not with their own brokenness but they're aware that we're part of a human family that we're all broken whether other people realize it or not and so we don't look down on other people and don't think of other people as stupid and dumb we're just broken that doesn't mean that people shouldn't be held accountable for their actions Just like we should be held accountable for our actions but there's no one we don't stand up the person who's contrite in spirit doesn't stand over anybody else so who does god give his attention to he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word says the lord trembles at my word now wait a second isn't god our loving heavenly father doesn't he want to hold us close to himself and quietly trust him what's this about trembling at his word are we supposed to be scared of god like you might be picturing you remember the wizard of oz and which was a fake and dorothy and her friends finally get to see the wizard of oz and this big huge head with smoke and 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 all this noise and and he talks talking i am the great invincible oz and they're shaking they're literally shaking in that 1939 famous film, they're they're shaking because they're great. Oh, they're shaking. And actually, the the original writer of that was uh, was undermining biblical faith, as if God was a pretend God making people afraid. God doesn't delight in making people afraid. That's not what this is about. But what is this? Is, so it, it means it's an Old Testament thing, right? When you know the angry God of the Old Testament, as opposed to the loving, merciful God of the New Testament. Well, that's all nonsense. There's only one God, and he's consistent all the way through the Scripture. The the major change between the Old Testament and the New Testament, because what Jesus does in the New Testament is he changes us. And because he changes us, he's able to come into our lives. So again, you might think, okay, well, this is still Old Testament, when, when people needed to tremble at God's Word. But what does it say in 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 Philippians chapter 2, this, this wonderful passage where Paul is writing to the Philippians and uses Jesus' humility as an example or a model for the way we're to be humble before God and others. And then he finishes that section by saying these words in chapter 2 of Philippians verses 12 and 13, therefore my beloved, Paul writes, as you have always obeyed, so now not only is in my pre not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. The the picture that Paul is painting here is God, oh you Philippians, God is in your midst, and he's in your midst doing his work. Remember I mentioned his plan? God is working out his plans. And his plans will prevail. So what's our response to that? If God's at work, God's in our midst, how are we supposed to respond? Are we supposed to have a yippee-yahoo attitude? Um, Are we supposed to take this lightly? No, we're supposed to be completely awestruck by the fact that God is working in our midst. When we open the Bible, this is the written word of God, preserved for us through the centuries do we open it up with a sense of awe that God has entrusted us with his written word? And are we paying attention, to uh, understanding that we mustn't miss what God is trying to say to us through this? Or do we take it lightly? Kind of same old, same old. I heard all that before. We shouldn't be shaking in our boots out of this terror because at any moment, God's going to poof send us out of existence or punish us for something we're not aware of or just take out his wrath upon us because it makes him feel better god isn't moody and then takes takes his his anger out on us that's not what god is doing but he's the great awesome god who made the whole universe and so when he speaks i don't know if you've ever been in the presence of an awesome person i have more than once there's certain people that they carry a certain kind of presence with them if you've never experienced this you're going to think i'm a little crazy but if you ever have maybe you've been in the presence of royalty and you there's this kind of tremble that that we get we're in the present when we're in the presence of someone great even if they're kind even if they're being gentle there's this awestruckness that we have we're in the presence of a great person? How much more being in the presence of the great Almighty God? Is, is it, isn't it? he worthy of us to be awestruck to the, the point of trembling when he's speaking? I better get this. What God is saying through Isaiah here is if we treat God's word in an easygoing way, he'll actually ignore us. Because the people that he gives his attention to are the humble and contrite in spirit who tremble at his word. So, if we respond to his word with awe, deep respect, with a willingness to obey, God will partner with us. God wants to partner with you and me. He wants to walk with us. He wants to talk to us. He wants to hear us. But he will do that if we're humble and contrite in spirit and tremble at his word. It's useless to just go through religious motions. You know, reading the Bible because it's our duty. It's okay to do it out of habit. It's a good habit. But if we're just doing it to check off some sort of religious checklist, or a set of prayers, or attend a service, or watch a sermon, because maybe you think you better do this because, because I don't know why. Hopefully you're doing this because you want to learn better what God is saying in his word. And I hope you're thinking about it and processing it. And if I'm saying something I shouldn't say or misrepresenting God's word, I'm hoping that you'll either leave a comment or you'll send me an email to tell me because we need to take God's word seriously and so are you reading God's word in order to understand it are you reading it regularly not because it's the, the just the right thing to do but if you want to truly know God and know how to walk with him in these crazy times We need to know what he's saying. And so we need to put ourselves in that humble place of receiving what he wants to say to us. Are we allowing God to speak to us? And are we taking what he's saying seriously? If we are, then God will make his home with us. Before we pray, I want to share a song with you, and I'm going to do that by sharing a, a lyric video. So I'm going to play a song recording, and you're going to see the lyrics up on the screen. And the song is called "Resting Place." It was written by Daphne Rademacher. It's uh, sung by Andy Park. It was uh, it goes back to 1991. It's a very beautiful song, and it's taken it's taken from this passage, and it's it's. Provides us a way to cry out to God that He would come and make His home with us, that we would be the resting place of God. And so let's take a few moments and listen to this song. As I said, the words will be there and feel free right where you are to sing along uh, when, when you are comfortable with it. And because it's a video, you can always rewind it and play it again if you like. And after the song, um, I will pray and close off. Let's pray. Our Father, heaven is your home and the earth is your footstool. May you make us your house. Help us, Lord, to be awestruck by your word that we might respond to what you are saying in a way that pleases you. Please, Lord, would you look upon us And speak to us. We thank you for what your son has done. Dying for our sins and rising from the dead. That we might be forgiven. That we might have a a right relationship with you. And be your children. But as your children, Lord, may may we not take you for granted. But rather, may we be anxious to hear you speak. And may we be quick to believe what you say and to obey what you say. Father, would you please give us wisdom in these days to know how to respond to the difficult situation we find ourselves in. What are you calling your people to do? What are you calling us to do? Father, what are you calling me to do? Please, Lord, make your home in us. Speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For additional messages and more information, please visit us on the web at allsaintslutheran.ca.